Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friends are Dante and Eros Falk. We recorded this a couple weeks ago over Skype, and I recorded my musical parts afterwards. Get Up in the Cool is brought to you in part this week by The Handmade Music School in Floyd, Virginia, now offering virtual private lessons and a weekly workshop series celebrating the musical traditions of the Blue Ridge Mountains, announcing the Southwest Virginia Traditional Music Contest, accepting video entries until March 20th, and the virtual old-time music get-together on March 27th, featuring live workshops and performances by Jake Blunt, Nora Brown, Mac Trainum. Becky Hill, and more. Details at handmademusicschool.com. Get Up in the Cool gets the occasional awesome sponsor like the Handmade Music School, but it's primarily listener-funded through Patreon. Shout-out to Matt Rhoda and Cindy Howes, Get Up in the Cool's newest Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I need all the help I can get. It's hard work, and I love it, but I could not do it without you. Thank you so much. Stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to keep up with Dante and Eros Falk. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Yes, I love that Billy in the low ground. Never fails. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dante and Eros Falk, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, We're thank you for having us. Here. Where did you all learn that? My impression is that that Billy in the low ground is super popular in, just on the West Coast in general. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, I'm try- I probably learned it from, like, I learned it a while. I think I learned it from Jesse Partridge, like, a while ago. He yeah. he used to be my fiddle teacher and taught me a bunch of good like old time tunes. So that's oh, probably where very I learned good. that. But yeah, that's I hear that version a lot here. There's a bunch of other weird and there's like the bluegrass version that I've heard too, which is like totally different. But that's that's the version I hear the most often here. Interesting. I didn't know there was a bluegrass version of this tune. Yeah, it's, I think it's usually played in like C, and it's like much more oh, of bluegrassy. Course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And there's like an, there's old time. I think there's a JP Fraley building the low ground in C. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. I, I think I learned this from Penka Jane Chalevsky. Nice. And I think she maybe said that it was like a, Rom- a Romero, uh, that she learned it from them. Oh, interesting. The Romeros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know where they got it or if they made it or what, but it's the best. It really is. <laughs> it's a fantastic <laughs> tune. It's one of those old time tunes that it's fun. I, as you could hear what I was doing, there's a lot of F sharp minor substitutions you can throw in there. Uh, a lot of old time tunes it doesn't work too well but as a cello player I love being able to do that so yeah definitely one of my favorite tunes for that I was going to ask are you doing it in the cross A um, or are because I've known some old time cellists who who prefer to not play an A when possible because I guess like maybe it's just like a little bit more work but apparently you are playing it in A yeah, so if I'm playing melody, playing an A is annoying because there's these E's that you have to jump up and shift for just one note. But if I'm just playing backup, it's sort of just more like a guitar. I'm actually not in a cross-tuning, I'm just in standard. Uh, oh, there you go. And yeah, so playing as far as, far as backup goes, uh, it's very easy to just do it in standard. If I'm going to play melody, it's it's very annoying. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever do your cross-tunes uh, uh, Eros? Do you ever cross down, go down to cross G in order to be able to play with your brother a little bit more easily? Or um, sometimes I'd, I don't know. I guess I've never really thought about how it computes on the cello. I just typically like cross A more. <laughs> it's none of your business. So, no. <laughs> yeah, you can figure it out. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely do play in G sometimes. I just tend to prefer cross A or like cross F. So I tune everything like way down. That's yes. right. I, I'm pretty sure that's really <laughs> annoying on the cello, though. <laughs> Unless he also cross tunes. Wait, Dante, do you ever do you cross tune the cello? I do, yeah, but typically not when I'm playing with a fiddle. Since the strings are a fifth okay. apart, I can't put it in the same cross tunings that you would put in a fiddle. So of I course. can put it in like cross C and cross D. Those are like the two okay. like sort of equivalents of A and G on the fiddle. When I've asked, every once in a while, I'll have a cellist on the show, and they'll talk about. Uh, how to adapt what they do for old time music. And you're going to not necessarily just play old time music today. Right. But um, whenever I bring up the idea of cross tuning, cause I know that some cellists do it. Usually the response I get is like, like a, like a cringe, like a physical, like, like, no, <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't do that to my baby. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely know a lot of cellists that feel that way where it's just like, why would I change the tuning of the strings? And <laughs> honestly, it's annoying. Sometimes it depends on the brand of strings. There's some brands where it's just, you cross tune it once and it's going to be out of whack for a month. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you can get lucky. It's sometimes more like solid court steel strings won't do that. And you can get away with messing with the tuning. Okay. So for all the cellists listening, yeah, that it is be, possible, but I understand. I understand the pain. It is annoying to cross tune sometimes. I now have two fiddles that I like. Keep one in cross A and one standard. I feel like that's a lot more tedious to have two cellos though. <laughs> one cross yeah. and one not. It's yeah, it's hard to carry around two cellos. Uh, uh, Rachel, Eddie, and uh, Emily Hammond, uh, old time power couple. <laughs> the, when when they got together, they got to. Uh, combined their banjo collections. So now that there's just like a banjo in in each key just in their house <laughs> that's just like sort of available so they never tune their banjos to other tunings. They're, that's they're amazing. Just around. That must yeah. be really convenient, yeah. 
Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's inconvenient to buy all those banjos yourself. Right. Yeah, exactly. But and, it's, can, and it's very inconvenient to tune them. Right. But so. if you can combine forces and get a full 14-note spectrum with all the banjos, that, <laughs> yeah. that would be amazing. That's just why I don't play. No offense to banjo players, but that's why I don't play banjo. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> seems too intense. Uh, let's do another tune, and then let's talk about your trad music origin stories uh and to whatever extent i don't even know what kind of brothers you two are if you're like twin kind or or if one of you is older we'll get into that after the next <laughs> right. what do you want to play next um maybe we'll stay in cross a because the cross a fiddle is the one i have the shoulder rest on <laughs> um <Okay. laughs> do you want to play lost shades yeah we can do that okay this is what an, is this it's an original old tiny oh, tune that uh that we wrote called lost shades do you want a quick story behind it because dante mm-hmm. can delve into the story yeah it it need not be quick you can you can be as long as you want very good um yeah so the story that goes along with it is we so we recorded an album how long ago that was like almost two years ago at this point right yeah um we recorded an album almost two years ago with a bunch of original music uh, with Ryan McCasson, who's a fantastic uh, Celtic musician in the area. And uh, after we finished the recording area the album, being Olympia, Washington, the area being Washington, he's in Lakewood, which is near Tacoma. Uh, but okay, great. We're in Olympia. We're, we're yes. in Olympia. <laughs> he's up about an hour north of here, 40 minutes. Um, anyway, after we finished recording the whole album, we were obviously going to celebrate. We were all happy. And uh, his family owns a boat. So we took the boat out on the lake to just have some fun. And then me, for whatever reason, I decided it was a smart idea to get in the tube that's dragged behind the boat while wearing sunglasses. Um, my eyes are very sensitive and I typically can't deal with a lot of light. So that made it easier to see. But I also was in a tube in a boat that was going fast, wearing sunglasses that were not attached to my face in any way. Since I know this is going to be published and be out there permanently, let the record show that I warned Dante against wearing his sunglasses in the tube when I told him that they were going to fall off. He did, and that uh, he's not the only one either. Everybody on the boat told me not to wear the sunglasses, and I was just like, oh, it'll be fine. Uh, as you can see where this is going, it wasn't fine. The sunglasses fell into the water, and they are now at the bottom of American Lake in Lakewood. And yeah, I don't. Uh, they're there forever. Maybe there's a really cool fish down there now. But and we'd already written this tune like way before that, but we're really slow at naming tunes. So and then I was going like, to ask, what was the name? The naming process? Were you just like bereft, um, and then th- this tune came out? No, just no. The naming process was. We, yeah, we wrote this. We wrote it probably like eight months earlier when we were writing material for the album. And then we just called <laughs> it the cross a tune for a really long time. And then we recorded the album in like July and this happened in July. And then I think we named it like the following like February. It's like five months later. <laughs> uh, Cause we needed, we were like getting the album mastered and like by that yeah. point you need names. And so we were just thinking of, things related and we're like oh you know what that was a fun story and it it kind of relates to this tune because it's around the time that we recorded it so we'll call it lost shades yeah it was about yeah the naming process took about a year but but we ended up with this (laughs) great yeah this is lost shades (laughs) 
That's so lovely. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. What a what a great uh, a great tribute <laughs> to the lost to a glasses. great idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the, the best idea, if I will. So when did you? Okay, which one? Obviously, one of you is an older brother, and how much older? Uh, so me, Dante is the older brother. I'm two years older. The cellist. Yeah, the cellist. If people haven't put together the context clues yet, great. Yeah, two years. Uh, uh, I, I'm the older one. Yeah, two years. Great. When did uh, when did you start playing cello? Um. So I th- I started playing when I was six years old. I believe I started playing violin when I was I think three. Uh, and you know I played for a little while, and then just being the child that I was, I saw a larger violin and said, "Oh, okay. <laughs> I want that one too," um, which I think was a good decision. I I like the larger violin for sure. It's it's definitely my favorite instrument. Um, I'm glad I didn't upgrade again because I remember for a time I wanted to go to the bass. Glad that didn't happen. This thing is already difficult to carry around. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I started playing when I was six, and then I, I around maybe when I was like seven, I like decided I'm like, okay, now I'm just gonna focus fully on the cello, and I don't play violin anymore. If you hand me a violin, I sound terrible on it. Um, Are you can, Suzuki kid? I can confirm. Yeah, I, I was a Suzuki kid for a while. Uh, okay, and then Eros, when did you get started on playing violin? Um, I think I started at three, also, which. By the time, since we're two years apart, so Dante had been playing for like a year. He'd been playing violin for a year, and then I decided that. I think I'd. I think you're two. No, I I started playing piano when I was two. And I played piano for like two years when I was like really, really little. Don't remember any of it. Um, Uh But yeah, like a year into that, I started playing violin. uh, And I did. Yeah, I did Suzuki stuff too. Um, And so I guess we overlapped with violin for like three years. And then when he switched to cello, I was like, okay, cool. Violin's like my thing now. <laughs> and so I was going to ask because, yeah. uh, I, I've sort of had this podcast within a podcast, which is just like, um, musical expectations and pressures within, uh, families. Um, and normally that just looks like, okay, if you're in a musical family, like if you have musical parents, like what was the process of, you know, differentiating and things like that and deciding whether or not you were going to get into music. And if so, what kind of music and finding your own identity and stuff. But I don't know if I've actually had siblings on at the same time before who play together regularly. And I was going to ask what's, what's the process of, um, I guess for both of you, um, having your identity space, you know, having to share it with, uh, another person in your household. I think the fact that we play separate instruments maybe makes it a little bit easier, especially for other people to understand it. Um, I think even if we played the same instrument, I don't really, I can't imagine us being that competitive. We're not competitive about anything, which I think is a blessing. Eris, uh, can you confirm this? Yeah, I can. Con- yeah, yeah, I can definitely confirm. This. I, I didn't think about it like too much at the time, I guess, cause I was like four years old when he switched to cello. So I wasn't really thinking about it or didn't care, but I, I don't like, even if we were playing the same instrument, I don't think it'd be a problem. But the I fact mean, that we, the, it works out that we don't also just because it like musically, there's just like more options to play together. Like there's sure. I mean, you can do great stuff with like two fiddles or like two violins, yeah. but when you have like two very different like instruments range wise, also you just get like more options with stuff you can do. Right. So I think it worked out in that way. 
Yeah. Um, Eros, for you, I mean, I don't know how far back you remember, but was your attitude just like, oh, yeah, this is just the thing that people do because, like, my big brother is playing music, like, I want to participate, or uh, were you made to play the piano and violin, or, like, how coercive of a process was this for for you? Um, and did having an older sibling... I. I have uh, now a baby uh, <laughs> and a six-year-old. And so I'm going to be like thinking about, I mean, obviously there's a bigger gap there. Yeah. But I'm going to be thinking about, you know, how to manage uh, egos and pride and like, and, and pressure and all that stuff between two brothers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Totally. As far as I know, at least. So yeah, I um, don't, I never, yeah, I never felt like, like my parents never like forced me to play or anything. And I was like, never like made to do that i think i just like wanted to because i just saw that dante was doing that i was like oh that seems like a fun thing to do and like for most like the early years i was playing i was like oh like this is like this is just fun like it's just like something to do i wasn't like that like i wasn't as into it as i am now i guess there was like a period when i was like i think like seven where i just like was like kind of like rethinking i guess and like kind of not that into it because i'd been like doing suzuki and like i don't know like for me there just like came a point where like suzuki just like wasn't working anymore i'd been on like book one for like way too long of a time like Uh way longer than most people are on book one and then so there was like that kind of period where i was like kind of questioning it but then luckily that is like around the time when i discovered like trap music and then that's like what changed everything and then around then I just like abandoned classical music and just like switched completely to trad. And then that like, Oh, interesting. So you're not doing any classical music now. Wait, how Um, how old are you two? I'm 16. Dante will probably be 19 by the time this is aired (laughs) at the time of recording. uh, I'm like nine days away from turning 19. Awesome. Uh, Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. So yeah, you're not doing any classical music now. Um, now I'm not like, playing classical music i guess like there was a period there where like a bunch of people like warned me against like abandoning classical music Uh and they're like because you're gonna like want like the technique and the training and stuff and i was like yeah but like traditional music is just like what i want to like it like i just like i enjoyed like playing traditional music at that point i wasn't enjoying doing classical at all uh so i definitely don't regret just like switching over completely to to fiddle and trad and stuff now i i mean i still don't regret that now but now i definitely do like find myself wanting some more like technique stuff that you get with Uh classical so now i'm like i'm working on like more stuff uh with my teacher lisa ornstein who i know you know and she's like big in like the trad world but she also has really good classical training um so i'm just like working with her on like a lot of like technique stuff not necessarily through like classical music pieces but through like etudes and like method books and stuff like for classical musicians just like working on all the technique that i lost from switching completely away from classical (laughs) uh let's hear another tune and then yeah i want to hear about both of your um transitions into trad music oh i guess before we do that dante are you still playing classical music no i'm sort of doing a similar thing that eros does i there's a lot of sort of technique things that i work on uh with my teacher just you know like 
you know, making sure that, you know, the hand position is good, all the bowing, all that. But I don't play classical per se. I have played classical, but I, I don't focus on that anymore because, again, I just prefer playing more trad music. Well, what um, do you want to play next? Well, I'm switching away from the cross A fiddle because okay. after a certain time, cross A just sounds like a lot of cross A. Um, sure. Maybe we can yeah. <laughs> maybe we can do a weird Celtic thing. Sure. If that sounds cool, maybe we'll play this tune, which is like one of the first Irish tunes that like, I heard and like really got me into Irish music, called "The Star of Munster," and okay. it's a fantastic tune. <laughs> the star of munster is munster like a a town or yeah i'm pretty so. sure it's a it's a location it's a, of some kind somewhere in ireland what is this what is the star supposed to be about um now you're asking the questions i don't have the answers okay to. Right. <laughs> i've i've there's a i know there's like a lot of stars that come up in irish music but i honestly don't know and it's that's one of those tunes that's just like so like old and so common because i've found like with more specific tunes you can usually like trace the story as like who wrote it or where it came from or something but like like everyone who plays irish music like knows that tune in some way and so it's like 
impossible to trace it like right. where it came from so hmm. i legitimately have no idea <laughs> well uh listeners write in if you're celtic music curious yeah, yeah. there's probably uh, there's definitely someone out there who knows the answer to that question yeah. i just don't <laughs> so when did you both start getting exposed to traditional music and what were your first impressions and which tradition or traditions were they um i guess like probably the earliest i don't know if because you were probably dante exposed to in some ways like earlier than i was i know for me like the very earliest exposure was like a riverdance dvd that we had that my mom would play okay three so that was like the initial exposure and i don't know i was like aware i guess this is where my brain becomes a bit fuzzy because i was like aware of that like for a while while i was playing suzuki too but then like something happened when i like discovered it again i guess that maybe you want to switch like to celtic and i guess like what i what i heard initially that made me want to like switch to playing trad music is uh, alistair fraser and natalie haas who play scottish music and i think for both of us like when we heard that that's when we decided that like that's what we want to do and that's what we want to switch to yeah, for me, uh, I think the first exposure I had to more traditional music was I was at a Suzuki like conference institute thing when I was a small child, still playing violin, and uh, they had like electives as like different classes, like you, you know you had like the regular sort of core Suzuki related stuff that you're supposed to do, and then they had electives of stuff you could just pick, and the the one that I literally picked over and over again and just had to keep going to it because I couldn't get enough was this fiddling class with uh, a fiddler named David Smith, uh, who's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and I just like, I, I don't know how old I was. I was like five, six, like I, I was a young kid and I just, I couldn't get enough of this fiddle class. Like it was super fun. Uh, you know, just all the classic, like what tunes do you teach to small Suzuki children? Like boil them, cabbage down, Angelina yeah. Baker, stuff like that. Um, yeah. And I just, I had a blast with it. It was amazing. And then, I don't know. I never really like thought of it too much. I mean, I thought like, oh, fiddling's fun, but I never really gave it too much of, like attention as like a, oh, you could actually get really good at it and like delve into it and learn a bunch of tunes that aren't Angelina Baker. Uh, and uh, it's until- just like a novel thing that some violinists do. It's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I, I never really made that connection maybe until the Alistair and Natalie record that I heard, especially yeah. because at that time I, I'm primarily playing cello and I was like, wait, cellos can play this genre like i had no idea um so that was pretty cool and i I definitely think that it was it's specifically the uh record fire and grace that that's the one that i heard at first i was like okay this is very cool and i need to learn how to do these cool groovy things on the cello because at that time i had no idea how to do any of that Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah um i i'm not super familiar with i'm aware that there is a a sort of neo-traditional like cello um kind of track that people seem to go down but i'm not necessarily i'm not familiar with all the points along the way and how far back that goes maybe you could like uh help me and other people who aren't familiar with that sort of sub genre of uh, uh of tradition yeah, I mean, as far as, like, traditionally, if we're going back, like, a long time ago, back in, like, the Middle Ages and stuff, cellos were very common in Scotland uh, as, like, okay. a thing that were played into it. Like, the same way you'd see a guitar in, like, a sort of dance band type thing, you'd see a cello. It was very common to see okay. cellos. 
then they sort of, I mean, along with sort of, you know, the British invading and all of that, like music in general kind of just died in Scotland, um, including the fiddle. But then sort of when, you know, stuff was getting more revived, uh, the cello somehow did not make a reappearance as it once was. So there's a whole crew of people like Natalie Haas, Abby Newton, people like that, Abby Newton being one of the first that are sort of attempting to revive it. And I think they're doing a fantastic job because there's a lot of people that are getting into cello in this genre. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I always want to hear more of it in old time music. Yeah. Uh, and and it's it's kind of, I mean, it's similar than necessarily like, you know, the occupying force thing. <laughs> it's not quite the same in the States, right. you know, but there's like... There are old time recordings with cello players and like the weems and like there's, I've heard of people talk about church basses. Have yeah. you heard of this? But yeah, maybe I have. Yeah, it, the interesting thing about the cello is because of its size and its like range and where the frequencies are, it is a very nice hybrid between a bass and a violin because it's it's way lower than a violin for sure, but it's also pretty yeah. squeaky compared to a bass. So yeah. <laughs> you just have like all these like nice mid frequencies that can fill out anything really. You had a river dance DVD in the home. Yeah. Is that because, I mean, I could imagine that being in the home of maybe just anybody, uh, because like that was sort that's sort of the crossover kind of piece of culture <laughs> right. that sort of, you know, you can have access to and not be like a nerd, you know, but like how much, um, (laughs) how much trad music, uh, was in the house? Do your parents play or, um, um, or were they just supportive when you started getting into it or I'd say like at the time that was kind of about it. I'd say like 99% of the music that was in the house is like eighties pop music. Thanks to our mom. Okay. Um, but she was also like, she, I don't know, she had, like, some kind of love affair with Riverdance, too, when uh, she discovered yeah. Riverdance. Uh, so we were never, like... I mean, flatly. Yeah, exa- <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, and it's it's that era of Riverdance, too, that we have the DVD on. So Yeah, so, yeah, my, like, our parents don't play, like, trad music. Our mom was, like, definitely very musical uh, growing up. I played, like, like, taught herself how to play, like, piano and keyboards and stuff like that. But never, like, really... Did she play 80s pop music? Um, I haven't asked her in a long time. Not really, I don't think. I feel like she definitely could. <laughs> There's probably some 80s songs that she knows how to play that I don't know about. Uh, she definitely knows, like, all the lyrics. I know that from every time we get in the car. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so somehow, like, she discovered Riverdance, and so that was kind of... I'd say, like, at that time, that was, like, the only, like, trad thing that was there. And then when... Like, we discovered that, then I became, like, a complete, like, 10-year-old trad music nerd, <laughs> uh, and, like, went, like, to the library and stuff, and, like, rented out, like, all the stuff they had at the library, and then, Aww. turns out, that was, before, like, I had Spotify and stuff, turns out you could buy, like, I found on Amazon, tons of people would sell, uh, like, traditional music, like, CDs for one cent, on Amazon. Oh wow. The catch was that the shipping was three ninety nine, but it was sure. still only like four dollars for a CD. So I bought like a ton of CDs like that way and stuff too. And yeah, one cent for the CD and four dollars for shipping, but it worked out. Hmm. That's a really sweet image of ten year old Eros going <laughs> to the Olympia library. <laughs> 
yeah i was i was pretty music <laughs> yeah and we can neither confirm nor deny whether we copied some of it onto a computer i i really don't think anyone cares <laughs> <laughs> i think the library is aware of that <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure <laughs> well um i think we have time for one more tune before we talk about where to go to buy your music and keep up to date with everything that you're up to and then one more tune after that and then cool. a bonus track for patreon supporters oh, yeah, uh, but what cool. do you want to play next um that's a good question do you think we should do something original or traditional i think we should do something original okay cool um maybe we'll do this other original tune that's kind of old timey and vibe uh that dante can also so tell the story behind because uh he's the one who inspired the story i guess called artisanal grilled cheese okay i was gonna say i'm gonna need to know which story i'm telling (laughs) i'm familiar with this tune yeah oh that's right yeah you've you've heard artisanal grilled cheese. yeah artisanal grilled cheese is the first track off of our album and uh it's yeah just sort of fun groovy old time vibes the story is uh i am self-centered when i make grilled cheese sandwiches and i like to call them artisanal um so yeah, I mean, I, I just put a lot of work into making a grilled cheese, so I decided I, I was just going to give it the label of, uh, like, artisanal, because, you know, I make it all fancy, it's sprinkled spices on it, all of that. And uh, we're all plant-based eaters, so most of the grilled cheeses I make are completely vegan as well. Yeah, people have gotten mad oh, at him on the internet about that, too, saying you can't call it a grilled cheese because he uses vegan cheese, so it's actually a melt. There's an entire okay, subreddit for grilled cheese sandwiches. They're all horrible people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anyone's going to be horrible about grilled cheese sandwiches, that's probably where it would be. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure there's an 8chan about it as well. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> before you play this tune, g- give us like your top vegan grilled cheese recipe. For people uh, who are listening who are curious. Yeah, so I use the uh, the Daya, like, cheese. Either the shreds or the slices. Both of them work well. My favorite's the Pepper yeah. Jack, specifically. And then okay. just... This is D- D-A-I-Y-A. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I'm I trying to imagine this is like... Like... Yeah. I spent that, a long... I, I was vegan for quite for quite a while, and I'm, I'm very familiar with the cheese alternatives or like dairy product alternatives i think this is sort of the ubiquitous one now it's the it one is, that yeah. out. it also if you it get doesn't, a vegan pizza that's what will be on it yeah it also doesn't use a bunch of other vegan cheeses use cashews which both eros and i are very allergic to tree nuts so uh, okay this one does not use cashews which is good i can eat it i would say my simple recipe is i use uh just two slices of bread uh put olive oil on them not what, butter what but- kind of bread Usually Dave's killer bread, but honestly, sourdough okay. works just as well. Sourdough is yeah, really great. good. Yeah, and then just <laughs> Dave's, put some- Dave's killer bread is uh, for those of you who aren't familiar or listening. It's sort of the staple sandwich bread uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Dave is um, he was like a he was I, I guess the maybe it's apocryphal, but the story goes is that he was in prison for like being yeah. Uh, and he, I think he's in prison again, actually, yeah, unfortunately, uh, for being like a little bit creepy. Um, but uh, he he was complaining about uh, in, in prison about how bad the bread was. And so, like, as soon as he got out, he like made a bakery where he makes this bread that's like it has a lot of sugar in it, but it's also loaded with like seeds and good stuff like that. And yeah. it's really great for making 
sadly, for, we also for have sandwiches. We have allergies to all those seeds as well, so we only get the sugar bread. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you just put some olive oil on that, and then put the cheese in the middle, and then put another slice with olive oil, I cook it usually in like a panini maker. Turns okay. out fantastic. If you want to get super fancy, you can fry up some spicy barbecue tempeh and put that on the inside. Uh, but Great. that turns it into a melt rather than a grilled cheese. Of course. Yeah. Okay. I just think that's going to help people in like engage with this tune if they know if they can just sort of have a have a synesthetic experience. Yeah, like tasting yeah. The for sure. Just envision. Cool. An artisanal vegan grilled cheese while you listen to this, or eat one. Okay, great. Yeah, you can ideally pause the episode and make one right pause. now, and then unpause once you've made it and listen to this place while you eat it. Great. That's gonna that when I play along with this later, that's gonna inform my banjo transmission of this tune. Very good. So thank you for breaking it down. Yeah.
delicious. Just grilled cheese. <laughs> delicious. It's good. Good as a real thing. I, I say. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> we have time for just one more tune, but before we go, where do we keep up to date with everything that you're up to? Where do we buy your album and anything else that you want to promote? Yeah, so our album is available on all streaming platforms. You can search it up there. You can also buy it on Bandcamp and from, uh, I believe, our record label's website, greenmonkeyrecords.com. You can also find links to all of this stuff at our website, danteanderos.com. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, You can find links to that from our website, and it's also our Instagram handle is Dante at Dante and Eros Falk with underscores between the words, and then we're at Dante and Eros Falk on Facebook as well. That was wow, a lot of saying our names. Yeah, that's just <laughs> a lot of sentence. our names just over and over. But but you said it so succinctly. That was incredible. <laughs> I I haven't done it in a while because we haven't had a gig in a while. But yeah, that used to be something all the time at shows. Um, I'm floored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have like. Oh no, we've been doing some virtual gigs and stuff. I don't think we have anything coming up right now, but if you go to one of the many places Dante just mentioned, uh, it'll be updated there. I I think we we typically try to update our website. I mean, as much as anyone updates a website, but it'll usually have info there and yeah. stuff. If um, all else fails, the website has a link to the Instagram. That's going to be the most up-to-date. Okay, great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I don't... Uh, this it might be already out by the time this is aired i'm releasing like a single of something that i've been working on too i think it's very cool march 19th uh is okay. when it's gonna be out and probably if you go to any of those places there will be some mention of it or you can just like look up my name eros falk at any okay, of those awesome. places and it'll come up so yeah i'm excited can't, about that too <laughs> can't wait to check it out oh thank you Thank you two so much for, uh, I know it's a lot of extra work to set up for, (laughs) you know, two people and, uh, to figure out all the logistics and stuff and like, uh, but, and yeah, for giving up a little bit of your, I guess it's a Wednesday afternoon. What day is it? Any (laughs) excuse, any excuse we get to play with our mics and set up all the sound stuff is, is welcome. Trust me. We enjoy doing this. (laughs) Okay, great. I love logistics. Well, yeah. And, uh, like I say to any of my, um, you know, pandemic era guests, uh, you are welcome to come back on the show um, anytime once we're all vaccinated and we'll do it again in person and play the rest of your tunes. That would be amazing. Yeah, We'd love to. You, yeah. Thank you so much for having us too. This has been yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. We really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Well, what, what should we do for the last tune? Um, well, I'll go back to cross a, cause I do love cross a, um, maybe we can, play an old time tune but before that play an irish tune which this is fun because whenever we play this like hardcore like irish traditional people don't like it because we end up playing an old time tune and old time hardcore traditional people don't like it (laughs) because there's an irish tune that comes before it's a great way to make everybody angry at us at once exactly yeah so this will probably piss some people off but it'll be fun uh the two tunes are o'sullivan's march which is the Irish tune, and then Hangman's Reel, which is the old time tune. Oh, which lovely! You probably know if if you play old time music. Um, so yeah, those are those are the tunes.
Visit Dante and Eros Falk's website at DanteAndEros.com to buy and stream their albums, watch their videos, and check their performance dates. And make sure to like and follow them on Instagram and Facebook so you can be the first to know new Dante and Eros news, like about that single Eros said he was about to drop. I put links to their website and social media pages in the show notes for this episode, so go there and tap and swipe around until you're life is full of uh, cello and fiddle, old time and Celtic and original duets. Thanks again to Handmade Music School for sponsoring this episode. You can find out more about them and their upcoming workshops, contests, and performances at handmademusicschool.com. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. And if you're able, please help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional banjo series. For the last few months, I've been adding up the neck claw hammer tutorials for old time tunes, so if you're interested in playing beyond that fifth fret, go see what's new at pitchforkbanjo.com. I also just posted a sample lesson for beginners. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set. It's available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thank you for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.